Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wheat Among the Tares, our weekly live broadcast here from Gethsemane Baptist Church located in Lexington, South Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pastor, good morning to you on this cold uh, morning. Yes. Yeah, amen. Let you know you're still alive. Amen. amen. Good morning to all you that are listening out there. Appreciate you joining us this morning. I want to jump right into um, this kind of a special edition, um, day before Thanksgiving and uh, Pastor, uh, right before we went on the air, we were talking about just such um, terrible conditions, honestly, in our country right now. And uh, how much more do we need to thank the Lord for his goodness Amen. to us yes, all sir. the time? And uh, and I'm grateful to the Lord this morning. I, I can start out this program by saying thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift Amen. of the love of God that he sheds abroad in our hearts. I want to, first of all, a quick comment on the establishment of the Thanksgiving uh, observance. And uh, I want to just read just briefly the history, really quickly, of the history. And then we're going to go to Brother Brad Lindsay, who was with Hymns for Life. He's got a story for us this morning. And then, Pastor, we will come back to you. But Congress established Thanksgiving on September the 28th of uh, 1789, just before leaving for recess. The first federal Congress passed a resolution asking that the President of the United States, remember, remember that term, recommend to the nation a day of Thanksgiving. A few days later, October the 3rd, 1789, President George Washington issued a proclamation naming Thursday, November the 26th, 1789, as a day of public thanksgiving. The first time Thanksgiving was celebrated under the new Constitution. Subsequent presidents issued Thanksgiving proclamations, but the dates and even months of the celebrations varied. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln's 1863 proclamation that Thanksgiving was regularly commemorated each year on the last Thursday of November. Yes, sir. I wanted folks to understand, first of all, that it was our Congress, the first ever Congress here in the United States, that set aside a day and they made a resolution that a day of thanksgiving be made unto God. Yes. And I think that, and obviously through the years that's been observed, but in these latter days, it has gotten such to be a darkened and commercial situation, unfortunately, yes, Pastor, sir. with it. Sure. And, um, we need to be a people who are certainly a, a people most thankful unto the Lord Amen. for his goodness and mercy. I want to bring in Brad Lindsay. Brad, good morning to you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are y'all? Good morning, brother. I want to uh, remind the folks that uh, you are the voice of the Hymns for Life. We It's heard uh, on Saturdays at uh, 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Times, and on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. And um, I know that you have, in the past, you've done a couple of programs concerning the Thanksgiving observance, and I wanted to bring you on this morning just to so you could share a couple of those with us. So uh, with that in mind, Brad, bring us up to date with regard to the Thanksgiving holiday and how it all came about as far as those stories you have for us. Well, thanks again. Hopefully I'm coming cl uh, through clear here on the hotline this morning. You are. But I wanted to bring bring a couple of hymns uh, to our remembrance as we talk about Thanksgiving. 
And uh, We Gather Together is a hymn that has been sung for many, was sung for many, many years in American schools, unfortunately not anymore. But I'm sure it was even a song that, uh, Dad, I know that you probably learned as a child in, in the public school system. It was sung for many years in our churches as well, and is still sung in our churches even today. And I, I wanted to give the background, and sometimes I'm asked, why, why is it important that we know the context to hymns? And it's not always critically important to understand the context of hymns. We sing many that we don't know the background, and we're blessed by them. But I, I want to bring to remembrance Psalms, and, and, rem, and remembering David, there are times in the Psalms, I think of Psalm 56, for example, you know, we are blessed by his words, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. But how much more do, does that resonate with us when we understand that he has been taken by the Philistines in Gath? And the, and the uh, introduction to that psalm tells us the context of that psalm. So we would be blessed by it either way, but understanding when it was written that he was going through a deep time of unrest, he was threatened, his life was threatened, makes it mean even more to us. Amen. And the same thing goes with a lot sure. of the hymns that we sing uh, during, during our Sunday services. So we gather together a little bit of background, understanding the tumultuous time of the 16th century in Europe. So it's, it's, um, the, the Reformation begins early in the century. Uh, in, in Germany, it is spread. And I think we need to understand the background so we'll understand why the, the, the war was being fought in Holland the Reformation spreads through Europe. Uh, it primarily lands in Geneva, Switzerland, and Geneva becomes a very influential base of operations for the Reformation that speaks clearly not only into other countries on main, mainland Europe, but also into England. So England is going through a tumultuous time under King Henry VIII. He, he dies. His son, King Edward, takes the throne. He is viewed by the what we'd call the low church, nonconformist as the answer to their prayers. He is a very pro uh, person who wants to see the Bible continue to thrive. He is a good Christian young man. Unfortunately, his life is snuffed out very young. He has health problems and he dies. And so understanding that after him, here comes Queen Bloody Mary. Queen Mary comes to the throne in England, takes over and starts a persecution of the true church as she's a Catholic. And she runs out the Marian refugees, is what they're called by history, into different parts of mainland Europe and many land in Geneva. And I'll come back to that story in a minute. While that's going on, over in Holland, over in the Netherlands, there's a battle brewing as well. So the Reformation has spread to the Netherlands, to Holland, and there is a, a rejection of Catholic rule in the Netherlands. And a battle breaks out uh, between William of Orange, who is known to history as William the Silent, not the same William of, uh, of Orange that comes later in the history of England. And so a battle breaks out. They decide to declare independence from the Catholic rule under the Protestant Calvinistic influence in the Netherlands. And a very bloody battle breaks out for many, many years there in the, the mid to late 16th century in the Netherlands. And so King Philip decides he wants to reclaim the nation of, of the Netherlands and the Holland for the Catholic Church and sends the very bloody Duke of Alba to Holland to bring them back in line. And he unleashes a reign of terror 
absolutely massacring whole towns and cities. There's terrible battles. Thousands upon thousands are dead. And so that's the context throughout the battle. Finally, deliverance is granted 40, almost 40 years later. And there's a victory and an independence for Holland. And here they stand. And how do you, how do you celebrate a victory when it's been so bloody? How do you heal after a time that when you've lost your wife and your children, will you heal by thanksgiving? You heal by remembering God's hand Amen. and God's gracious hand and even God's judging hand. And so this hymn, We Gather Together, is written in 1597. Uh, there's uh, some debate about who actually wrote it. But it's important to understand when you sing these words, uh, some, some people may go to a Thanksgiving service and start singing this hymn and wonder what does this have to do with thanksgiving these words are so negative because think about the way the hymn starts we gather together to ask the lord's blessing he chastens and hastens his will to make known the wicked oppressing now cease from distressing sing praises to his name he forgets not his own so remember Mm -hmm. the context for the hymn the very fact that they can stand together a group of people that were persecuted, that were unable to gather, are able to gather in a church on the Lord's Day and say the words, we gather together to ask the Lord's blessing, was an amazing miracle for the people in Holland. Amen. And when they talk about he chastens and hastens his will to make known, they're speaking, yes, even about the Duke of Alba being being a person while he was used by the devil. God was also behind that using him because all things are allowed by the Lord. And so they understood that very clearly, and they could not just easily write off the things that occurred in their life by saying, wow, this was the devil, this was not good for us, so therefore I wasn't sent by God. They understood the sovereign hand of God. So that's the context that we gather together. So how does this hymn uh, impact, or how do we we liken this hymn or, or, or think of it as a Thanksgiving hymn? Let's back up for a few minutes and talk about the pilgrims here. So the pilgrims are Puritans. They're Calvinistic Puritans. They are not accepted under Elizabeth I in England. And and even before that, Queen Mary, during the persecution, many flee and end up again in Geneva. And a, a major event happens in Geneva in 1560. So a bunch of English speaking people, many of these very learned men gather in Geneva and and work on a translation of the Bible, the first widely distributed translation of the Bible called the Genevan Bible in 1560. And this is the most, the the biggest book of the 16th century, by far the most influential book. The only one that came close was another Puritan book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. So these two books are hugely influential. They're translated during the Marian exile. They're brought back to England the, the, the Genevan Bible is, and it becomes the Bible of the Puritans. Now, this is the predates the 1611 translation of the King James Bible. So they're using the Genevan Bible. Unfortunately for them, or fortunately for them, there's notes in the Genevan Bible, so it becomes very, very controversial. Uh, the notes in the Genevan Bible question the divine right of kings at all times to override the will of the Scriptures. These notes are written anonymously, but they're written by John Calvin, John Knox, and William Coverdale. 
And these become such a, a, a tinderbox of emotional response by kings that this becomes a very, even though it's a popular book, it becomes one that is eventually banned and burned. And so you have the pilgrims there in England, and King James I takes the throne, and they were really welcoming of King James initially, the Puritans were, because they believed he would bring more religious freedom since he was coming from Scotland. And it does not occur. And again, the hand of the Lord is in his instruments over the years. They leave England. And of course, many people think the pilgrims jumped on a boat, left England, came to the new, you know, came to Plymouth Rock, and there's our history. They don't go to, to, to the United, they don't go to the, the, the colonies. They go over to Holland, where this hymn, We Gather Together, was written. And they serve in, uh, and they worship in Holland under the new freedom that Holland has been granted through their fight with Spain, and they served there for 10 years. So a whole decade, the pilgrims are in Holland, and it's a deeply influential period of their life. And I know that I lived for a, as a child in New England, New Hampshire, for four years. It may seem like a small period of time, but four years is an influential time in anyone's life, and I can promise you 10 years was. Mm-hmm. And here the pilgrims are in Holland, they're there until, for a decade, till just before 1620. They leave because the war bells ring. They believe there's going to be another battle between Holland and Spain. And they take their Genevan version of the Bible, they get on a ship, and then they come to the New World, to, to, to Plymouth Rock, and they land here in 1620, bringing the ability to worship. So think about that. Just like the as Holland celebrated, we gather together to ask the Lord's blessings. The pilgrim that had been, the pilgrims who had been persecuted, uh, ne- never really a good place to worship until they get to Holland, then find themselves in the Massachusetts Bay with the ability to worship. I think this is important because a few things. First of all, understanding, and we know this, that it was a religious move. This, these, these people were willing to inconvenience themselves for their faith. Their faith wasn't something that was a box checked on Sunday. It was their life. Jesus Christ was their life. The second thing they were willing to do is they were concerned. If you read William Bradford's On Plymouth Plantation, there was some concern because they believed the things of the world were influencing their chin too much. And so they were willing to disengage with city life and move themselves out for, for religious freedom, to disengage with the love of the world. And that brings them over to Massachusetts as they stand on Plymouth Rock. They likely did not sing We Gather Together. They, would have, they were Puritans, so they would have sung psalms only. And they likely did not know We Gather Together. There's some historical debate whether that hymn was even published. It was published later on. Was it, was it sung in gatherings before that? It's hard to know, but it would not have, not have been sung in gatherings of the pilgrims. They would have metered psalms only. But that, they would have brought one thing, one song that we sing today to Massachusetts Bay. And that song was also comes from Geneva, from a gentleman who helped translate the Genevan Bible and went back to England. And he translated the great all people that on earth do dwell, the great old hundredth, one of our greatest Thanksgiving hymns. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. And so he brings that hymn 
back to England. He writes it, brings it back, but with the tune, the very memorable tune by Louis Bourgeois, and they would have known that hymn, and they would have brought that hymn to the New World. So they would have brought their Genevan Bible, their Genevan hymn, which was English, all English, and they would have sung the Genevan great hymn, All People That on Earth Do Dwell, with, with a, remem- a, a remembering the last hymn of that great hymn, For Why the Lord Our God Is Good, His Mercy Is Forever Sure, His Truth At All Times Firmly Stood, and Shall From Age to Age Endure. And what an amazing reminder of God's goodness, even in very, very dark times. So that was that's our Thanksgiving remembrance today, two hymns that influenced the pilgrims, and I think it was an amazing thing to remember that today. Brad, a great job. Thank Amen. you so Very much good. for sharing that information with us. And uh, trust that um, uh, as you bring to us Hymns for Life every week, that uh, folks will be blessed by that. And thank you for the ministry of Hymns for Life. The Lord bless you. Happy Amen. Thanksgiving. Thank you, brother. God Take care. You. Bye-bye. Pastor, what a, some great oh, stories yeah. there very of history. Thorough, very well told. And um, But, you know, we come to the time, and, and just the time of the opening of the Scriptures here, because I honestly think, and, and you know this as well, that we are such a time, how are in such a time in our country right now, that uh, hope is is waning in people's minds you know things that are going on and you read the the headlines every day which i try not to do and uh, and certainly they are a thing that uh, can absolutely disturb you but uh, i'm thankful for the word of god this morning that can give us such a hope and uh, I wanted you to bring just a, a word to our folks this morning so you have Amen. the mic and i think you may read something about president roosevelt at the end was it roosevelt? president lincoln lincoln well, yes roosevelt we know that he he's the one that as well later in his presidency secured the fact that thanksgiving day can never be altered from its day amen and he made a statement um that the reason we should continue to observe thanksgiving is because no nation has ever been so blessed as america has been blessed amen the to prosperity that. the freedom the liberty, um, uh, the the happy happiness that we can pursue Amen. through God, and that that all these blessings that our country has experienced, that we need to be careful that that we do not rely on the material things He said. That we need to be sure that Thanksgiving helps the health of our soul, and that's Amen. the most important. More but, than the flesh is the soul. Amen. And that's what President Roosevelt said. And so I'm thankful as we enter into tomorrow, and I'm, I'm going to eat some turkey yes. by the grace of God. <laughs> but Thanksgiving's not about turkey. No. Uh, we need to realize that we serve a God in heaven whose good hand is extended to us every day. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives all things uh, freely to to all men. He's good to the just and the unjust. God's good hand today will be exhibited in the lives of the most wicked people on planet Earth. That's right. The godless, those that curse his name, uh, God still loves them. And God is going to still put his good hand in their life because he wants his goodness to bring them to a place of repentance so they'll know him and realize that uh, it is his hand 
that brings all good things in our life. And so the Bible tells us to be thankful in all things, uh, no matter what happens and everything, give thanks. As Brother Brad even mentioned, the judging hand of God, the chastening hand of God. But sure, uh, David said that, that before he was chastened, uh, he had gone astray mm-hmm. and it was the hand of God in his life that brought him back into the way. And many times it's God's correcting hand that puts us back on the straight and narrow path and gives us a clear perspective of how we're supposed to be living, what we're supposed to be doing, what our, what our real, um, you know, um, things are that we're supposed to be doing the priorities in our life. And so the Bible tells us in the book of second Timothy chapter three, that in the last days, we know that perilous times shall come, and we're living in perilous times. We were talking about that right before we come on air, just our country, the violence in our country, the, the, the division in our country, the hatred in our country. And let me say this from from the beginning. The gospel fixes all that. That's right. Jesus Christ, the, the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ and God's spirit will correct all that wickedness. And so the Bible tells us in these last days that men are going to be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Then the Bible put in there unthankful and unholy. We are living in a very unthankful generation. And I said on Sunday that when people are unthankful, it will lead them to an unholy life. It will. And and when they're not recognizing the good hand of God. And I thought about in the book of in the book of uh, Luke, in the book of Luke chapter uh, 17 and verse 11, the Bible says, and it came to pass as he went to about Jesus to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he had saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What's interesting, ten ten men that were lepers had no hope, would have died, no hope of healing. No there was no doctor that could that could fix that. Mm -hmm. They were separated from society, separated from family, quarantined until they just died. They had to live that way. And they cried out to Jesus. And let me say this, dear friend, if you're listening and your sin has brought you to that place of hopelessness, there's only one place that you can find healing. It's in the Lamb of God, God's Son. Cry out to Jesus. Realize that He is the Master and that He wants to have mercy on you, but He'll not extend His mercy till you cry for it. And just like blind Bartimaeus, have mercy upon me. Oh, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus heard his cry, stood still, called for him, and gave him his sight. Amen. And so these 10 men were cleansed, 10 of them. They went their way. They still had their leprosy when they're walking away. They obeyed the word of God. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And they're walking away full of leprosy thinking, what are we going to do when we get there? 
He's going to pronounce us unclean. But because they obeyed the word of God, they were cleansed and healed as they were walking along the way. One of them, all of them had to stop and look at themselves. Imagine the rejoicing. But what's sad is only one of them took the time to turn around and get back at the feet of Jesus and thank the one from which the good hand of healing came from. And Jesus said, he asked the question, were there not 10? Were there not 10 men that I healed? Were there not 10 that were cleansed? And then he asked the haunting, horrible question, where are the nine? Unthankful. They're healed going about their life, doing their thing, taking the, the, for granted the, the healing hand of God. But one man gives us the example. He falls back at the feet of Jesus Amen. and begins to give him glory and thanks him for his healing. So let me just in the short moment that I have, I'm, I was going to say other things, but I feel like that the Lord wants me to just be done. Let me say to you today, today, dear believer, be sure you take time to recognize God's hand in your life, recognize this. But me and my wife prayed together this morning. And I just, in my prayer told the Lord, I was amazed as I looked in my life at how good he has been to my family. Amen. Undeserving. Oh, we don't deserve it. <laughs> we don't say, yeah, I deserved it. And God, you gave me what I deserve. No, thank God he did not give us what we deserve. Amen. Because we didn't deserve his goodness. And so we took a little time this morning just thanking the God of heaven for his goodness in our life and our marriage and our children and our church. And so I recognize today and I want to be thankful. And this is not something we should just do tomorrow. This is something we should do every day of Amen. our life. That's right. Because we have found out that, listen, thankfulness will dispel discouragement, despondency, bitterness, defeat. Whenever we begin to thank the God of heaven, it causes our mind to reflect on the things we do have Amen. instead of instead of being full of covetousness over the things that we do not That's have. Right. And so be thankful, dear child of God, today. Amen. Amen. Pastor, excellent words, and I trust that uh, those were a blessing to you. I want to close our program this morning uh, with, a, with a paragraph and a half, if I could, from President Abraham Lincoln's proclamation of 1863, October 3rd, 1863. And he says this, population, and I want you to bear in mind as I read this, that he's, we're in the midst in our country at this time of a civil war. And brother against brother, yeah. family against family. A terrible time in our country, Pastor. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste, he says, that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield. And the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. Hmm. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. Amen. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise 
to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty God to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed by the President Abraham Lincoln. Amen. Praise God. Tina, what a uh, what a history we have, Pastor. Amen. Indeed, Rich and certainly the kindness and tenderness of our God that has been upon us. And folks, those of you who are listening, and those that may listen to this podcast later. May you take a moment to bow your head before the God of heaven and give him thanks for his goodness and mercy in our lives. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us today here on Weed Among the Tares. We trust you'll join us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The Lord bless you, and again, a happy Thanksgiving to you all.